And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another fine, award-winning, world-famous edition. Neither of those two things are true. Of the Athletic Roundtable, I am Rob Pizzo from CBC Sports. And last week, Sarah Sivian was on the road and Jesse Granger was at home. And now Jesse Granger's on the road and Sarah Sivian is at home. And I'm just always at home. How are you guys? I am jet lag. Oh, how the turntables. You're jet lag. For the first time yeah. in my yeah, life. Got- I did not know what jet I've traveled so much. And I was telling Rob off the air. I have never felt jet lag until this trip. And on the first flight out here, I spent seven hours on a plane from getting from Vegas to Philly. And I absolutely feel it. This is what jet lag feels like. I can't believe you travel as much as you do. And you don't know what jet lag is the worst. Like for me, it's always in the morning. Like if I'm somewhere where the time really messed me up. And all of a sudden it's four o'clock in the morning and you wake up and you go, I'm wide awake. Why the hell am I wide awake at four o'clock in the morning? And then at 6 p.m. you're just ready to die. Uh, but I guess you're at that point now. You're just completely jet lagged right in time for our show. This is fantastic. Wait, you're in Philly and the no, no you're in Buffalo now, right? Okay, I was Buffalo. like, yeah, Buffalo media in Philly. They're that hungry for the Eichel content. Okay. Are you still jet lagged? Well, they're they're yes. Oh God. Stay awake. That's why he's giving us one word answers, Sarah. He's just like, yes. Wake up. Yes, I am. I'm exhausted. So let's continue with the show. And Sarah kind of transitioned for us there. You both have actually really big games coming up tomorrow. But we got to start with Jesse because uh, we're actually recording this a little bit later than usual because we all got a text from Jesse saying, still waiting on Jack Eichel to come out because uh, he's in Buffalo again. It wasn't that long ago. Jack Eichel was doing what he was doing for the Buffalo Sabres. And of course, the famous... Uh, I want this surgery. You're not going to get me that surgery. I'm going to leave. But it's his first time back in Buffalo. You just heard him speak literally minutes ago. Um, We didn't get to hear it. Fill us in. What did he say? Yeah, it was good. Um, He handles these situations so well. I mean, like he was a captain for a team that lost a lot of games. So like he's used to dealing with media in difficult situations and it shows. Um, I I was impressed with kind of how professional he was about it. He was asked, uh, first of all, there were so much media there. Like the Buffalo guys were saying like, this is the most people we've ever seen in this media room. Um, It was packed (laughs) and, and they, they grilled him pretty good. Like he was asked, like, are there, is there um, any, hard feelings towards the organization. And he said, no, he's like, and, and even the owners, like they specifically asked him the owners Pagulas, And he said, no, um, they, they stuck by their doctor's opinions. And, and I totally respect that. And I wish everyone would kind of respect my decision to stick with my doctor's opinions on, on his own body. Like, I feel like if anyone should be able to get stick with their opinions of the doctors, it's the guy whose neck we're talking about. And that's Jack Eichel. So 
Um, he, he talked about, he loved his time here. He wished he, he took a lot of responsibility. He said, I'm the captain of this team. I was the leader. Um, I need to b- take some of that burden for not having as much success as we, we would have liked to have had, or that we should have had here. But at the same time, um, he said, I gave everything I had to this city, to this organization, to this team. I tried to do what I could to win and I couldn't. And he's happy to be back playing hockey again. He's having a great time playing for the golden Knights. And, and, and he said, it's, it's kind of awkward here. Um, he's like, I'm not sure what the reception is going to be like. Um, based on my Twitter mentions and, and my comments on my stories, I have a feeling I know what the reception is going to be like. There are going to be a lot of boos, but um, it's going to be fun to watch him back on the ice in Buffalo. Really? So you're expecting a bit of, a bit of venom. I don't know. I kind of thought, thought it was one of those things where Sabres fans would you know, be upset that he left and the fashion in which he left, but understood why. Well, so I, I would say it's about 50-50, like on the Sabres fans comments that I get, um, I would say half of them are, are happy for Jack and they, they know what kind of an amazing player he was and they're, they're happy to see him playing hockey again and they want nothing but success for him. But then there are definitely a lot of salty Sabres fans and... I mean, he was the best player on the team and he was, they expect when, when, when they got this player, they expected him to take them to the promised land and it never happened. And then he asked out and like, he had a perfectly good reason to request a trade. But I think for some fans, it's you requested a trade, you want it out. And, and, and there's definitely some venom there. Um, talking with the, the Buffalo media today. Um, and just, they obviously have more interactions with the Sabres fans than I do. And, and they, they definitely expect some, some venom tomorrow as well. It should be fun to see how it goes. Eichel said, like, I can't control the reaction. All I can control is is how I is how I deal with it. And he's like, and I'm ready for it. Whatever the reception is, I'm ready for it. That sentence is exactly how he's handled this whole thing. And I think he couldn't have done a better job. Like, good for him. He stood up for himself and he was assertive, but he never did anything unprofessional. And 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 he he made a good point. Like, he's like, I think just me playing and playing as well as I have already in 10 games in is like. Like I stood up for myself when, when it was like, he was like one of the first players to do this and, and, and not just have the surgery, but like tell the team, no, this is how I want to handle this injury. And the fact that he put as much effort and research into it that he did, the fact that it has worked as well. I mean, the guy was back on the ice way faster than any of us expected. I've been blown away at how good he's been the best player on the Golden Knights for the last five games. And like, and yeah, they're missing some good players due to injury, but Eichel steps on the ice after not playing for a year on a brand new team and a brand new system. And he's the best guy on the ice. Like he, I I think the surgery worked. Oh, he's going to be looked upon. He's not going to be the last NHLer to get this surgery now. People are going to point to Jack Eichel if they want it. They're going to say it worked, it worked quickly, and it worked successfully. And this is what I want. And it's it's no longer going to be looked upon, even though it should, still should be looked upon a little bit as experimental because you just don't know. But um, yeah, he's going to be looked upon as the guy who stood by his guns and was able to do it. Here's what I want to see. One, I want to see him score a goal in Buffalo and spin his neck completely around like the exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see him like, ha, 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 look at this, guys. Um, and Buffalo's attendance, 31st, I checked uh, this morning, in the league with a grand total of 8,698 people per game. Uh, <laughs> were there more people in the uh, in the media room than their average attendance this year? There, there might be. I was actually talking with a couple of the Buffalo reporters about that and they they were they were they knew they know vegas sells out most games and they mentioned they're like you're probably going to see the crowd tomorrow and think what the hell is this like where is everybody and they said yeah but that's actually going to be the biggest crowd of the year by far um they're expecting better attendance tomorrow than than uh they have had this year like you said the attendance has not been good i don't blame the fans they, they haven't had a great team to, to go watch so we're not risking it like the over under is their average attendance for tomorrow it might be a little bit more, but nothing, nothing in anywhere close to a sellout to see Eichel. I think it's going to be up for sure. Um, I mean, I don't have a good grasp on this. I just got here a couple hours ago, but I, I think it'll, it'll definitely be higher than than the average, which is not a very high bar to clear. Um, I, like I said, I'm the, at the this is the Tavares thing. Like when he went back to to Long Island, was so venomous. I don't expect it to be. I don't expect it to be like that. I expect it to be kind of a mixed, a mixed uh, bag of emotions. Like some of the crowd is is happy for him, some of them aren't. If he scores a goal, they're all going to boo the crap out of him. That's guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I I love returns. I love people debating whether they should get some sort of tribute during the first TV timeout. I love 
all that stuff. So I'm going to be watching that. But another big game tomorrow. We are in March. And if two teams face each other and one's top of the East and one's top of the West in March, you, you're by law, I think, obligated to call it a possible Stanley Cup final preview. Sarah's going to be there. Carolina, Colorado. I mean, it's one of those games where you really see who's what as far as the the team, because you know they're both going to get jacked up for this game. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. I need to maybe put my mask back on during availabilities because I felt like I was at the stupid question Olympics this morning. Um, there were some <laughs> local Kings reporters that were like, wow, the avalanche came out of nowhere, and now this is the best one in two teams in the league. Like, were, were you expecting this? And he asked this to Ian Cole, who was on the abs. And Ian's like, oh, yeah, they've been really good. I was on the team. And the guy was like, oh. And I just, the look on my face was probably very rude. I didn't mean it for that. But come on, come on. This is a very anticipated matchup. I am very excited. We got Peter, um, the Athletics' very own, in the house, and we're going to do a collab on it, just kind of what we're seeing from the East and the West with the top two teams. Uh, Obviously a big measuring stick game. You look at the depth on the abs, and it's just insane. Like, McKinnon hasn't even had to be at his best. Kale McCarr, good for them. I think when people look at this, they're going to say, like, okay, this is a Stanley Cup preview, but I think most would say Colorado has been the best team. Like, where Sarah, you watch Carolina every day. Obviously, you watch Colorado. Where do you think Carolina is going to – like, where do you think they can surprise some people and people come out of this game saying, like, wow, the Hurricanes are are better than the Avs at X? Good question. Uh, I was going to say, there's not one thing. I feel like the abs have been so good at everything, which is probably their strength. But I think maybe consistency, which is not going to happen in one game, because obviously at the beginning of the season, the abs were struggling in that aspect. And I think the Canes going against maybe, I don't want to say tougher competition, but I do think kind of what they've seen has been pretty hard so far. So maybe just playing the long game, the Canes might be better in that aspect. But Do the Canes have more grittiness? That's what I, when I look at this game, you know, Colorado, I'm not saying they're not gritty or they're not a playoff team, but they 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 almost resemble an all-star team at times. Like what they do with the puck is just incredible. Like you, the, the superstar depth on this team is is almost laughable. I don't necessarily see that with the Canes. I see the Canes might be able to just outgrit them just a little bit. Yeah. Well, Dom changed his model to account for how good their penalty kill is. And that made them better in his standings because it's, it's just ridiculously good as the only way it produces offense for them. Like they'll score second after the PK or on the PK. And I think a lot of opponents have figured the Canes out and that's the one area where maybe they still are surprising people. So that might be a bit of a surprise, especially against the Avs power play. It's like a weapon against the best players. So you two are going to be busy, busy people uh, tomorrow. But again, Sarah did the transition for me. Uh, Don Lushishin just started a firestorm on Twitter uh, in a shocking turn of events. Um, uh, again, in March, anytime you got two teams facing each other, you're going to say things like Stanley Cup final preview. And also in March, people start really legitimately talking about awards. Uh, and Dom wrote a piece and used his model and used a whole bunch of numbers, as Dom likes to do, to um, put his top 10 you know, candidates for each award. And... I want to quickly preface this by reading a little bit of his intro. The first thing you see when you click on his story, um, saying that throughout the season, I will be breaking down the numbers. Just want to make sure everybody heard that part behind the race for each major award. And then he's also said numbers, of course, aren't everything, but they add much needed context to the awards race. So this is not Dom's opinion. This is not Dom saying who I think should win the award. He plugged in numbers into his model. It spit out a bunch of candidates. And for the Hart Trophy, Austin Matthews sitting at number one. You got Connor McDavid behind him, Johnny Goudreau at number three. You keep going all the way down. And one name was missing, and that's Jonathan Huberto of the Florida Panthers. And it kind of exploded on Twitter when Jonathan Huberto's agent, Alan Walsh, kind of said, how do you not have this on here? And you had other uh, writers coming to Dom's defense, including our very own Sarah Sivian. Um, was this just, before we get into awards, because I do want to talk about how these awards are picked, was this just overreaction to people who didn't realize this was just one aspect of trying to 
select a heart trophy winner? Jesse, we'll start with you. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> I know Alan and like, if I needed an agent, I would hire Alan Walsh because <laughs> of how he deals with things. And like, I think he overreacted. And I think the personal, the, the personal attacks on Agreed. Dom were unwarranted, but at the same time, his, his, like Huberto is an amazing player. And I think there are like, these numbers are the best way, like Dom's modeled his GSVA model. I, I use it in a ton of stories. I think it's the best way to quantify a player's contributions in one number. It's so hard to do in a sport like hockey. It's not baseball where every play starts at the same spot and it's, everything is static. Yeah. Like hockey is so hard to, to quantify. And I do think there are holes in it. And I think Huberto is one of the best 10 players in the league this year. So I think while you like both sides can be right, like Huberto does belong in, in the top 10 of heart, but agreed. But Dom is just using these numbers and he's come up with, he's way smarter than all of us with these numbers. And he's come up with a number that's better than any other number at quantifying a hockey player. It's still not perfect. And Dom says it in the stories. It's not perfect. So when I look at it and, and when I look at this whole situation, I look at maybe two sides that are arguing different things. I just thought, yeah, the reaction, obviously, Alan Walsh, I want him defending me, but I thought the reaction was so <laughs> disproportionate, especially because, like you said, Dom prefaces that and all the rest of his articles with, this is not my actual opinion with the eye test too, but it is a helpful insight objectively. So I love that Dom doesn't shy away from writing those stories, even if it might not be received well. And I wonder why there's such an insane reaction to an opinion that's just different than somebody else's. Like I do think Dom being in the analytics world and being a younger journal, not well, reporter, whatever you want to call him. I think that scares some older people that he doesn't really rely on access. And I just feel like that was such a disproportionate response. That was such about like when Steve Simmons is saying, you're a no nothing. Like, and he's talking like he's in the twenties too. Like, I, Oh no, I've been <laughs> called a no nothing. Give, give me Alan Walsh's knife from the Mark Andre Fleury thing and stick it in me. Cause that was devastating. <laughs> I don't, doesn't care. I talked to him and he was like, yeah, I, I'm laughing this off. And I love that about him. I just think it's a larger conversation about we can all have opinions, dude. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And and you two both get to vote for, for awards. Or you have voted for awards. And I, I've said this for years. I truly believe that almost every single NHL award has some sort of flaw to it. Um, and, and coming up with a number is very difficult. But if you've got someone who's come up with this number, it could be used as a tool in picking said award. Right. It's not the be-all, end-all. Yes, if you're voting for an award, should you not be watching a lot of hockey and, and using the eye test to go along with this? Sure, but maybe Dom's model comes up with, I'm just going to randomly pick somebody off his list here, Nazem Kadri. And maybe you weren't thinking of Kadri. And now you're going to pay a little extra attention to what Nazem Kadri is doing. That's, I, ever since the first analytic you know, came up, I feel like there's been this battle line yes. drawn right down the middle and to use the worst, worst cliche ever. Can't we all just get along? <laughs> Can't we all just use each other's, you know, information and, and come up with an answer? I could not agree more. I think you absolutely nailed it in terms of <laughs> there is such a war between the analytics people and the eye test people. Yeah. When it's like, both are important. If if you if you can if you think you can look at these numbers and they tell you without a doubt who the better hockey player is, you're wrong. That's it's you're clearly wrong. It's that's not how it works. But if you think that these numbers are worthless and mean nothing, you're just <laughs> you're as wrong. wrong. Like exactly. you're, you're just as wrong. Both sides, like it's you have to look at these numbers and use them as a tool. And like you said, let it guide what you watch. So many times, like just not even specific player. When we talk about specific players like the Golden Knights, I see a statistic and I think I need to look into that. I need to watch these games and see why this stat is there's context to every number, every statistic you can find. It's not black and white. There's context to it. And you have to watch the game to, to find that context around it. You can't just go with the numbers, but they are important and they tell you really important things. And anybody who is curious about that needs to look into Allison Lucan's work because she does a great job of putting the numbers to life and says, okay, I'm going to watch the game and break this down. And then this is the stat I came up with. And it, I feel like she's such a must read for people, even older people in the media who are against 
the numbers because it shows things that they highlight too. It's just kind of like ridiculous that people aren't using every single thing that's available to them. And then they ask players like, what's your opinion on analytics? It's not the player's job to watch (laughs) the analytics. Like they just need to do whatever they're doing. (laughs) Jonathan Marshall had a great line last night um, because the Golden Knights, they had 50 shots, but they only scored once against Philadelphia and they had a bunch of high danger chances recorded. But like when you watch the game, it didn't look like they were that high danger. And, and someone after the game asked him, like, did you think you guys created enough high danger chances? And Marcia looked at us and goes, no, that's for you guys to figure out. Like, aren't you guys going to look at that and figure that out? It's like, yeah, yeah. he shoots the puck and scores. And I look at the high danger chances. That's what we do. And it's interesting because certain numbers just flat out existed, but weren't analyzed the way they are now. And the number one for one for me is second assists. You know, it, it used, it used to be goals and assists. And now people are breaking down the importance of, you know, first assist, second assist, depending on your, your position and everything else. And I think it's great. Do I think sometimes it makes my head hurt when I try figuring out certain numbers? Absolutely. But again, if you're building a house and you've got a box of tools, use all the tools in your toolbox to do it. I do want to ask your opinions because, um, as I mentioned earlier, for me, I feel like every award has a flaw to it uh, or something that gets brought up and discussed every year. You know, the Hart Trophy, is it the MVP or is it what it says on the award, the most valuable player to their team? Um, Norris Trophy, is it the best defenseman or is it the highest scoring defenseman? Uh, the Selkie I, I brought up uh, to our producer, Jeff, earlier, you know, it's always going to go to a centerman. I mean, it's been 13 years since someone other than a, since a winger won this award. Uh, and it was Yuri Lettinen. Which which award do you think is the most, maybe not annoying isn't the right word, but which award are, do you think is the most flawed at times? Sarah? I'd definitely say the Norris on that one, just because we all, every year, we sit down and say, oh, this is a competition of who scores the most goals or has the most points. And then we vow to change it. And then we just do who has the most points. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just interesting how we all every year say, we need to change this. Or we need to have two awards. And I think two awards would solve the problem. What do you think, Jesse? To me? Yeah, I agree. I completely agree with you on the Norris. I would say Selkie because the Selkie, we like actually, like it is what you were just saying we should do with defensemen. Like they actually separate it and say, this is for the best 200 foot player. This is the best two way. And then we still only give it to centers and we yeah. only give it to centers who have a bunch of points. Like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. The guy who wins Selkie is great defensively, but you can't just be great defensively and win the Selkie. You've got to score 70 yeah. points. Um, so it's like, to me, we, we literally like, separated it from the points to just like focus on defense and then we still give it to the guy with the most points and he has but to you can't center. score you can't score too many points though. right because austin matthews has had an amazing 200 foot game this year okay he's he's been phenomenal in his own zone but he's, he's he scores too many goals you you can't have a rocket richard winner also winning the selkie it'll just never happen the other thing too that always bothers me is for a goaltender to win the heart they have to have one of the greatest seasons in goaltending history because they already have their own award. That's that's me mocking other people. That's not my opinion. Uh, you know, like you look at what Shesterkin's doing this year. That's Hart Trophy worthy. And you have to literally compare him to some of the greatest goaltending seasons of all time, like what Carey Price did when he won the Hart and, and Dominic Hasek did when he won it. Um, do you guys like the way awards are given? Do you like having the media and the PHW, excuse me, the PHWA, I always confuse, I always mix those letters up, PHWA, you know, picking awards or is there a better way? I don't know if there is. I think it's funny. I don't know. It's funny because it's something I struggle with too. Like when people reveal their ballots and region by region, it's like the guy that could be the Canes guy is voted on by the Canes media and then the Rangers is voted by the Rangers. And I don't, I struggle with this too, because I feel like the Canes deserve representation or whatever it is. Right. And I, but at the same time, you want to be as fair as possible, but what's fair. So I feel like the regional aspect of it trips me up sometimes. I think, Jesse? I think it's hard to answer. Um, as, as a PHWA member who votes, I'm thrilled that the PHWA. Uh, <laughs> but, exactly. But seriously, though, like I, I think it's hard because I think there are some awards that a coach 
can like knows more than I know, obviously, and can get could could more accurately award this. But at the same time, we have awards that GMs vote on. And in my opinion, the writers do a much better job of because they put in more work because they don't have to do all the stuff that a GM has to do. Like I like the Vezina is to me the best example as a goalie nerd. I disagree with the Vezina a lot. And I think it goes to the goalie with the most wins a lot of the time. And and I think the GMs, I don't know if they're being lazy or if they really believe that just the goalie with the most wins deserves it. But I like, so one part of me says GMs and coaches have inside insight that could maybe make the awards a little more accurate. But I also think that writers and broadcasters and everyone that votes on them, I think those people maybe put a little more effort into researching the awards and and we see better more accurate results out of those so i think maybe that maybe there should be a mix maybe we should get some more yeah some more coaches was, I, input and some more gms input and 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 still stick with the writers because i agree with sarah there are markets that if you don't have writers in those markets these players are not going to be like they don't have stand a chance so it's i think it's complicated and it's somewhere with a mix of everything I, I literally as you were writing that wrote down the word combo yeah i'm like is there something we can do where the writers are, you know, their vote is worth 33%. A GM's vote is worth 33% and a coach's vote. Because again, there's flaws with every single one. And we see this a lot in baseball with Hall of Fame voting. It's unfortunate, but you guys as beat reporters or people who are around a team all the time, you deal with these players and then personal things come into play. If a player keeps blowing you off for an interview, are you going to necessarily put that aside when it's time for you to vote or the yes. other way around. Someone is not, everybody's going to do that, Sarah. I know. No, you're right. You're <laughs> no, right. People or, or the other way around. If you're really friendly with somebody that's going to influence your vote. Um, I'd argue that and coaches so, and GMs are more likely to be influenced that, by that yeah. than writers. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying Walsh is to do it. <laughs> it's a flawed system. My actually, I would say my biggest pet peeve always comes with the Jack Adams uh, because you see coaches have insane seasons. John Cooper has an ins- one of the greatest seasons in NHL history. And it's, it's always used as, well, no, he already had a great team. He didn't do any coaching. Shut up. If you have 60 wins in a season, you did some coaching. Right. Um, whereas it turns into the coach that either did the most with the least or had a goaltender who just went crazy and your stand, your, where you are in the standings doesn't necessarily reflect what you've done. But I think we're going to have these arguments until hockey stops being played. And I agree there's, there's no perfect system, but that's what makes uh, them fun. Whatever whatever it is. Yeah. If if there was a number that told us who the heart winner was, it'd be like the art Ross. It's not as, or or the rocket Richard. It's not as much fun. It's (laughs) no, I love when they do that too at the awards ceremony. They, they they kind of present that award, and you're like, okay, yeah, get, we know who won. This right. happened like three months ago. We know, like, just just move on to the ones that we don't know. Um, but I do like that we get to see, you know, the breakdown now a little more. We never used to, like, uh, you know, way back when. So we do get to see the breakdown. But all I do know is that Dom's causing trouble on Twitter, and we'll leave it. At that. Thanks a lot, Dom. All right. After the break, uh, we'll talk, of course, trade deadline uh, coming up. And obviously, um, the uh, the war, the invasion in Ukraine is still going on and the fallout still continuing, including uh, with the NHL. So we'll get to that more right after the break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago that we're going to be talking about the trade deadline pretty much every week until March 21st. Um, you know, the days of waiting till 2.59 p.m. Eastern time are pretty much gone, guys. People are doing things, GMs are doing things much earlier. And I kind of thought the Toffoli trade to, to Calgary was going to open up just a 
floodgates of things happening, almost a domino effect. It's been all quiet, at least until now. You watch what's going to happen as soon as we're done this show. 15 trades are going to be made. But are you guys surprised that we haven't seen maybe some of the names that are on everyone's must-be-traded list moved already? Sarah? Well, we've been talking about this on this year podcast for a while that just the salary cap this year didn't raise and it's kind of been tricky for GMs. I feel like it's going to take a little bit more of a domino effect, especially with the defensemen. What do you think, Jesse? Yeah. See, I thought it would have the opposite effect, though. I thought the salary cap, like it clearly complicates things like almost every team that's contending that like is looking to add is is against the cap. Right. Is is pressed against the Mm -hmm. cap. So that means they're going to like these trades are going to be complicated. These players are going to have like salary retained. They're going to ship them through middlemen. To me, if I was a GM and I had to do all that. I'm not waiting for the last day to try to like put all that together. Like that to me, that's a, that I I thought that would contribute to us getting a bunch of trades earlier, trying to get them done, not waiting till the last minute. Like, because if you're a GM, like, Part of it is okay. I wait to the last minute because I think I can have better leverage. I think I can get them for less. I think whatever their te- whatever deal they're offering me now, I can get a better one. But is it worth risking and, and then having to ship it through some other team and it not working? Like I don't know. I I thought the salary cap situation would would make them happen earlier. So far, it hasn't. Maybe it will. Oh, remember the good old days when you would just say, "Who won this hockey trade? This player for this player." Right. Like you're right. Like it's just. It's 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 almost like you're doing complicated, you know, advanced algebra, like figuring out who goes where to make it make sense, not only for now, but years from now. Isn't it like every day you save money towards the cap too? in certain situations? I think that somebody in a front office told me that has been a big factor this year, too, kind of like trying to save up as much as many pennies against the cap as possible. Yeah, well, it's like when you when you trade for a player, you only take their salary cap, like your, their salary, their, their cap hit gets divided by 82 games. And then you're only paying them for the amount of games they're yeah. playing for you. So every game you wait, that's whatever percentage that is less that you have to pay. For me, when you throw the word, the letters LTIR in, that's when you lose me. Like mm-hmm. I like covering the Golden Knights. <laughs> I, I feel like I've become a salary cap expert covering the Golden Knights because this team specifically is like constantly, like last year they were playing like 15 skaters because they couldn't fit them all. I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp on, on cap until you bring in LTIR. And in that case, it's like, you have to, they should teach a college level algebra class on how LTIR works. I still can't figure it out. It's like, it's so ridiculously complex. It is. And then you've got other teams, like we've talked about before, Tampa Bay, just making it really easy. Like he's going to stay out until the playoffs. The Leafs are kind of in that situation right now too. Jake Muzzin's on LTIR and, it really comes down to whether or not he's going to be there for the rest of the year because that's where that cap money is going to come from if they want to make a, if they want to make a move, be it in net or on the blue line. So yeah, it's just a massive, massive bit of confusion. But it's also later. We're we're in March now, right? Usually it's it's in February, and that's because that Olympic break that just never ended up happening. And I find that this year. You know, there's usually a list of like five to seven teams where if somebody says, are they a buyer or a seller? And you ask 100 people, 50 will say, oh, they should be a buyer. And 50 will say there'll be a seller. The, the picture's a little clearer this year, isn't it? And I mean, you look at like even the East, you can pretty much figure out who's going to be in the playoffs, which gives you a better picture as to who's going to be buyers or sellers. I think this year's a little different. Yeah, I agree. I think the one team that's kind of weird is Nashville, just because they're in a playoff spot and like... Are they good? Are they not good? Like they, they, and and they're probably going to trade Philip Forsberg, their best player. Like Nashville's the one that is like in a really weird situation. But I agree with you. the The line of delineation, especially in the East, is is so hard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I completely agree with you guys. I wish I disagreed. No, there's going to be a bunch of buyers and sellers we're not expecting. I wish I could say that and make it spicy, but it's not going to be that spicy. I don't think. Sorry, I'm just tweeting Sarah's quote there. Quote, yeah, end quote, Sivian <laughs> on the Wednesday roundtable edition. We need a quote card for that. The hot are one. flying, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, the fallout from the invasion in uh, Ukraine is, is continuing, and it's uh, obviously going to continue a lot. But, I mean, as far as continuing, as far as sports go, um, NHL severed all their ties with the KHL. Uh, NHL told his teams to seize all contact with their KHL counterparts. 
Russian-based agents. They're not supposed to make any contact uh, with them. And it's they've suspended that, if you remember that memorandum of understanding between the leagues. Remember when they were stealing players from each other and then they said, whoa, 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 we got to stop this. Let's kind of come to a bit of an agreement. Well, that's been uh, suspended. They're allowed to talk to North American agents certified by the NHLPA, um, but I feel like every day there's a new thing. What do you guys think of this this situation now with the KHL? And, um, you know, we talked a lot about this last week, but it's an interesting kind of turn as far as this goes. It's a touchy subject. And again, it, I just keep seeing things of this nature where it's kind of the freedom fry situation. I think the KHL is a little bit different because I know Putin is involved in hockey. And I think that could actually is less performative than the other things that I'm seeing. But I wasn't really going to bring this up anywhere, but last week kind of inspired me to. My grandma and her family are from Ukraine, but to the day she died, she considered herself a Russian. And I think a lot of Americans don't know what they're talking about. Like I'm seeing, I saw a New York Times article today where people are boycotting Ukrainian things because they're calling themselves Russians. That's what happened to immigrants who escaped the USSR back in the day. And I just think we need to use our brains a little bit more when we're thinking about what we're boycotting and what we aren't, because a lot of Russians and Ukrainians consider themselves, or at least used to consider themselves as one, especially people who immigrated here. But when it comes to something like the KHL, I do think Putin has ties, right? Like he and Ovechkin, I know they played games together and stuff, and he won by a comically large <laughs> margin. Yeah, so where I don't he know. would score like know. nine goals in those games yeah. because yeah, nobody wanted yeah. to go near him. Yeah. I don't know. Jesse, what do you think about this? I'm kind of at a loss. Yeah, me too. I I, I think this stuff is so complicated and it's goes, it's like we're trying to look at it through a hockey lens and like we're all hockey experts and we know hockey and like it's so much bigger than that, and like just for example, our conversation last week, um, we we spoke with uh, the agent, and he we talked. We like we were we were like at least me done with that conversation. I was like, it's ridiculous that they're that they're potentially not going to allow these Russian sixteen year olds, fifteen year olds to enter into their junior hockey career. And I was like a hundred percent on that side of the argument. Then I get on Twitter and I see responses, and like people made legitimate arguments that like. If you are going to try to freeze Russia out of the rest of the world to try to force their hand, like you can't just pick and choose. Like it, it, this isn't specifically to try to hurt this kid's career, but this is like for the betterment of the world. And like when it comes down to it, like stopping a war that's killing innocent people is so much more important than this 16 year old playing for the Manitoba moose or, or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like it's this, it's so complicated. And like, even that argument, like I said, I, I came out of that podcast, out of that conversation with feeling like I was so hard on one side, like I had made up my mind. And then I read things on Twitter and I'm like, you know what? That's a great point that I didn't even really consider. And things are, there are things out there more important than hockey. And stopping this war that's killing innocent people is one of them. So like, I, I don't know, it's complicated. Like I feel for people that are getting boycotted when they don't deserve to, but I also at the same time understand kind of why you need to do it. Like it's, it, it's so complicated and I don't really have a good answer. No, I thought that was a great answer because I've done the same thing. I like, I find myself kind of going back and forth and I, I apologize to the person who sent this tweet, but I don't remember your name, but I just remember seeing it. I was on the same side as you there, Jesse, where I was like, yeah, like, how can you punish these kids just because they were born in Russia? And someone said, well, that's wrong. And then somebody tweeted, uh, well, the line of right and wrong right now doesn't really exist. And that's because the invasion is wrong. Well, then this is wrong. And, and the line is, it's not black and white in any way, shape or form. So some people are, you know, and some organizations are doing this. They're trying to cut off what they think they should cut off to do their part. And then you've got someone like Yarmir Yager, who's, who owns a team, uh, you know, he owns the Cladno Knights and was supposed to have their final game of the season uh, in a rink that held under 5,000 people. They moved it to the O2 Arena, which had a capacity of 17,383 strictly so they could take all the proceeds from that game and give it to Ukrainian families in the Czech Republic. And he ends up raising $160,000. The NHL chipped in $68,000 because it's Yager, 68. Um, and it just, if you could have a feel good moment with this horrible situation, for me, it was the first time. For me, it was really like, okay, this is, you know, somebody instead of just sitting, you know, thoughts and prayers, all this other 
Yager put his money where his mouth is. He's an owner. If he's moving this here and getting all this money and saying, no, it goes here, he's taking money out of his own pocket. It was the first kind of feel-good moment I've had for a really horrible situation. This reminds me of something Mr. Rogers said. I think it was after 9-11. He said, look for the helpers. When you don't know what else to do and when things aren't black and white, look for the people helping the innocent people. And that's going to be your answer and kind of your compass. So I think keep that in mind. And two, I think Jesse's opinion is excellent that you just, you should be looking at things with an open mind right now. And you shouldn't have a hard and fast opinion about something so complex that I I think it's good to kind of reevaluate after you see different things. But at the end of the day, someone like Yager doing what he's doing is objectively the answer to help people. Objectively. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think (laughs) I, I it's, and, and like, I agree with, you guys that like, yeah, they're like, they're ha- like Rob said, this is the first time you felt good. Like I've seen a lot of heartwarming things um, on social media and, and, and on the news about this. And it's, it's awful that, that these things need to be done. It's awful that it's happening in the first place. But I, I think every time something awful like this happens, like you get reminded that like, there are really good people out there doing awesome things. Yeah. I know. And then it's the reason I said that is it's, it's unfortunate. Just the world we live in, yeah. everything I'm seeing is awful. Every, every time I see a tank, every time I see everything, it just, it makes you feel awful. Uh, so good on Yager. And before we move on from Yager, I should mention this. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin scored a 766 career goal to tie Yaramir Yager last night. So right now, the only people with more goals than Alexander Ovechkin um, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing these names correctly. Wayne Gretzky and Gordy <laughs> Just uh, incredible on both of their parts. Um, after the break, we're going to get to Twitter. Uh, we asked um, if you were to start a team, who would be your first overall pick? And our producer, Jeff, came up with the question. And I remember thinking, okay, good question, but we're going to get an awful lot of one player. Boy, was I wrong. We'll get to those answers after the break. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right, my favorite segment of the year is the Twitter uh, segment. And we're going to get to our question of the week in just a second. I have one tweet I do want to read because it really made me laugh. It was from uh, Clippy on Twitter who said, Why do guys on hockey and sports podcasts always have bobbleheads and shit like that when the woman arrives looking incredibly professional? What's the deal on that? So first off, Jesse's the one with the bobbleheads. I have hockey jerseys, so I'm, a, I'm assuming that's the, quote, shit like that. And there was a screenshot sent out. Sarah was in a hotel. And I hate to point <laughs> this out, Sarah. I know it's a hotel. But your bed wasn't even made. Uh, <laughs> oh, <what the> hell? <laughs> and somehow, Jesse and I are the ones being called out. So, excuse us, Miss Sarah Sivian Professional, for being in a hotel. It was nice to have the tables turn, and I really hope this man or woman left a review on the podcast because I'm sick of people saying that I have a scruffy voice. It's called being from Boston and being a hardened <laughs> professional. All my years of professionalism. Scruffy I'm, voice? I'm, I'm people say you have a me. scruffy or, voice? Um, I sound like a cigarette smoker. I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. I think it's just the Boston thing. I don't know what it is, but that's uh, what people say. Somebody said they love this podcast, but they hate my laugh. And now I'm like, how can you hate someone's laugh? That's so mean. So I'm just going to go harder on my laugh. And what, Whatever okay. happened to if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Uh, having said that, let's go to what people said uh, about our question. Uh, I thought for sure we would just be flooded with that number 97 guy in Edmonton, but... 
boy, was I wrong. If you could start a team with one player, what's everybody saying? Yeah, yeah, it's really funny. I We did this with anticipation of our boy Jonas from The Athletic being on this podcast who covers the Leafs. And I was thinking it was going to be all Matthews or McDavid. And we got Stuart A. Miller saying Kale McCarr, which, okay, what do you guys think about that? My, my thought? I get oh, it. No, no, I'm just saying I get it. He's I'm, I we have pumped up Kale McCarr's tires a lot on this podcast and being as a defenseman that's usually what you want to kind of maybe sometimes build your team around, but I'm still picking McDavid. What are you, Jesse? I'm convinced that this the last couple seasons the salary cap has be, has been thrown so much into the forefront because it's just, it's it's affecting decisions more than it's ever affected. Like I think the salary cap has been in fact, obviously has been impacting things since they put it into effect. But these last couple of years with the flat cap, it's ever, like you said, when we talk trades, it used to be who's better, this player, this player. I feel like the same thing because I read these answers and they're like, I take Kale McCarr because his salary cap is only this much. And Matthews is 11 and you're going to have to give him a raise in two more years. And people are looking at their contracts. Like this used to be like, it would have been all McDavid. If there was no salary cap and you just look at who's the best player on the ice, I don't think anyone thinks that Kale McCarr is better than Connor McDavid, but at their cap hit, there's a very good argument that Kale McCarr is better than Connor McDavid because he costs half the price and you got him for this long-term deal. Like I don't, it's to me, Kale McCarr dominating this, this conversation is 100% salary cap related. And I think that's valid because you do look at the Leafs and some of their problem has been overpaying people. And that's why they can't get out of the first round. So I'll give them that. I, I do still think McDavid wins all like, are we losing sight of how good he is because he's on such a bad team? Or are we relying on him too much to pull this one player to pull him out the team out? No, I don't think it has anything to do with his team. I think when somebody performs on ice miracles on a regular basis, we start making that they're just regular bar. Yeah. You know what I mean? If, if any player, let's even say like highlight real goals, for example, if any player had, two highlight real goals, you would think put it on such a bigger pedestal. But because he does it on such a regular basis, we just come to expect that from Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, okay, it's McDavid. He, he's almost not human. Like I remember when Yarmir Yager finished, uh, ended his career and said, and he was second place all time in points. And he said, I'm first all time in points. Gretzky's not human. Those don't count. That was a terrible Yager impression. But I think that's kind of where we're at with McDavid. Like people are kind of like, well, he's not, he's not like the rest of us. So let's not even count him. Uh, And I know you mentioned Jonas was supposed to come on. He wrote a a piece saying that not only is Austin Matthews in the, you know, the number one spot for the Hart Trophy, but he's the best player, could be the best player on the planet. I'll, I'll say that, yes, maybe he's having the best year of anyone on the planet. Can we stop for a second here? Like it's McDavid, 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 and then everybody else. I completely agree. I don't even see one McDavid. There's one person that said Makara or Shesterkin. And I think that is totally the one year argument. Like you can't rely. Shesterkin is having one of the best goaltending years in recent memory. And I might vote for him for the heart, but I don't think you should revolve a team around a young goalie having a hot year. Definitely. I was surprised there's no goal. if I'm picking, if I'm oh, picking my shocking. player, not one person said Andre Vasilevsky. He's the best goalie on the planet. I'm, I'm this close. Same thing He's, though. Same he might thing. be the best. Like, okay. He doesn't like, it's, it's hard to say like the best goalie of all time because like his career isn't what Brodeur and Hasek and Wah were, but like each of them at their peaks and like how good they are. Like Vasilevsky's right up there. Like he's the most talented goalie I've ever watched in my entire, you talk about miracles on the ice. This guy does miracles with his body flexing in ways that they're, it is not supposed to every single night. And he like, he makes the most ridiculous saves I've ever seen. And by the way, all these people we're talking about have how many Stanley cups combined between them. And Andre Vasilevsky's got two. Um, I know he's on a stacked team, but goalies to me impact the standings more than any position. And this guy is a, generational talent and he's still relatively young. He's not as young as Matthews and, and and McDavid and McCarr, but he's for a goalie. He's very young. Like I was shocked to not see his name on there. Are you going Vasilevsky or are you going McDavid? I would take Vasilevsky just because not because I think he's better than McDavid, but because I think goaltending is more important. 
I, I think the question, who's the best, is obviously you highlighted that well. Who's so who's the best or who you should build a franchise on are obviously two different questions. But if we had to ask who's the best Matthews or McDavid right now, I'm going McDavid. Best player on planet earth is Connor McDavid. Yeah. Full stop. Like we, I mean, we have to just, it's like, like you said, you bring, you start bringing in cap, you start bringing in uh, importance, you start bringing in everything else. Age is something we have to bring in as well. Like Kale McCarr is young, you know, I, I get it, but um that's why awards exist. They exist to to honor the players from that year. They don't exist like there's no reigning heavyweight champion of the world in in hockey. And if there was, he'd be wearing the the, the, the belt. That's my the, opinion. Just, when you're building a franchise, like how many times do we hear it? Like who's going to win coach of the year? The coach who had the best goalie. Which coaches get fired? The coaches that had the bad goalie. Connor McDavid can be amazing, and his team still sucks. If the goalie's amazing, Which the is team what doesn't suck. If the goalie's <laughs> yeah. amazing, the team doesn't suck. Give me Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, are the Rangers a playoff team without? Shishurin? Probably not. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm proving yeah. your point. I get it. Um, uh, but yeah, and but then again, for a goalie, like I said in the first segment, for a goalie to win the heart, it ends up they have to have like an all-time historic year, which isn't fair, just because they they have the Vesna. Um, and if you really want to go to the true definition of the Hart Trophy, the most valuable player to his team, good God, Shesterkin, he, he's, he, he has to get this award. Shesterkin, Shesterkin. I always forget the one that's so well in there. Shesterkin. Um, I know you guys have big games tomorrow as we talked about in the first segment. Anything else we can look forward to that you're working on this week? Yeah, I'm all Eichel right now here in Buffalo. That's it. Eichel, Eichel, Eichel. Sarah? I'm all... Match up with abs, match up with abs. I'm working on something that's going to be, I started working on something that's going to be a long-term thing I'm excited about. So keep your eye out for that next month. Sarah's always teasing us with this stuff. Eh? And now I want to know <laughs> what that, and people think she's going to tell us after we go off the air. She doesn't. <laughs> no, so, I just get people hyped. So then they forget about it. And no one ever holds me accountable <laughs> for getting the thing done. So that's my thing. <sighs> Thanks, guys. It was a fun show, and I want to let everyone know uh, some of the other stuff we've got going on as far as the Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, Eric Tulski, assistant GM of the Carolina Hurricanes, joins Craig Custance and Sean Gentili on the Athletic Hockey Show USA. You've got former Wildcat captain Miko Koivu, who stops by straight from the source with Michael Russo uh, before the Wild retire his jersey on Sunday. You can follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget leave us a rating, leave us a review. It really helps us out. And you could subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from the entire network. Mendez and Salvian provide bonus content this week. Uh, and you start with a 30-day free trial, then it's 99 cents a month after that. And right now you get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just $1 a month for six months. And then you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show to get that the Athletic Hockey Show returns Thursday with Ian Mendez and Down Goes Brown. For Sarah, for Jesse, I'm Rob. We'll talk to you next week.